everyone. Welcome back to Central American Voices. I'm your host, Alejandra Quiroz. Gracias por sintonizarnos una vez más. Today, we're talking with Dr. Janina Efariñas. She's a neuropsychologist and CEO and founder of La Cocina. Thank you, Dr. Efariñas, uh, for being with me today. I really appreciate your time, and I'm really, really happy for the conversation today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be with you today. I'm very excited, actually, about our conversation. Oh, thank you. So just to, like, honestly go straight for it, um, this episode as far as, the, as our listeners know is part of our mental health series. And Dr. Farini is actually going to talk about the immigrant mental health and more about um, La Cocina. All her, all their services are focused on Latinx, Latinos, Latinas, um, and community who might not have the accessibility to access for mental health resources. La Cocina is a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. We're a nonprofit mental health clinic that really only provides services to our Latinx community mm -hmm. and mostly to Latinos and Latinas and Latines who are mm -hmm. um, uninsured and who have very little access to mental health supports and mental health services. So for starting our conversation, um, let's talk about first, like the immigrant mental health, like, because before we were recording before, when we talked about, we talked about, you know, like what is important in mental health. And we have been talking about like the importance of it. Uh, but one of the focus that I want to focus with you in this episode is mainly about the immigrants, the, the transition from like the migration and once they arrive to the here. So why immigrants mental health should be treated as important as physical health once they arrived this, in this case, focusing in the United States. I think the primary reason why we should take it very seriously is because immigrants, and I'm an immigrant, I'm mm -hmm. an immigrant from El Salvador, immigrants um, imagine that when they come to the United States, that their life is going to be better, of course, mm -hmm. than it was at home. And this is only sometimes true. And so one of the things that we, I think, would be helpful for us to really consider is the way that all of the troubles that we encountered before migrating and then migration itself are reasons why um, our mental health could really be in an area where we want to work on it. We mm -hmm. want to work on it from the perspective of our past. We want to heal our past. We want to heal our migration journey. And then we want to heal the fact that we're in a really brand new place that we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so for those reasons, it's really worthwhile um, essentially healing all of those different pieces of trauma in our lives, of our adversity in our life, so that we can get to a place while living here that we can mm -hmm. feel like productive, healthy individuals who really have left behind the mm -hmm. traumas of our past. Mm -hmm. That's Instead of recreating patterns, because, for example, this is a very common story. We hear this repeatedly with the immigration communities that we work with is, you know, in the past, I may have been in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. and I did everything in my power to leave that abusive relationship. Right. I left that abusive relationship. I went to a new country. I took my children with me, for example. And then I found that being in the United States did not change that I ended up again in an abusive relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so we see a repetition of a pattern that we really try to leave behind 
that doesn't get resolved just because we moved to a different country. Mm -hmm. In fact, it could get worse depending Mm -hmm. on how difficult our journey was and depending on how we are doing today. Mm -hmm. Are we dealing, you know, with having good employment, having good support Mm -hmm. systems around us? So all of those things, all of those pieces of our lives that really need healing do not just start in the United States. They started way, way before. And it's worthwhile to us to really think about that and to Mm -hmm. say, yeah, I actually want to be in a life and in relationships that are healthy. I want to see myself as a person who's productive and capable. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy a happy life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's really good when you point out about when someone migrate, you know, as us being like immigrants ourselves, when we think about migrating to another country, when you arrive here, the thing is not the color de rosary, how they put it, you know, in movies or they put it like the idea from over there. So I think it's very good that you point out that because um, we see like migration comes in different ways, you know, like there's a person who might have the privilege to you know migrate through an airplane or who actually makes the trip right so or if it's from not only central america but it comes from other parts it can be from boat or any other you know migrations uh what's it called transportation it's it's different right and all of that has a different type of impact in your life because as a person who i migrated with a visa and i came here like with the privilege of an airplane is the experience is completely different with someone who took the entire journey of going through Mexico, right? right. And then, right. yeah, Mexico is completely like, it's a huge country who has, you know, like their pros and cons, if that would say. Um, and we have like the difference of the reasons of migrations, right? So like you point out like the abusive relationship, just like lack of like economic support, you know, like or economic in their countries or like violence, you know, when it comes to like gangs or like wars um, or we have like lack of employment. And so like, there's a little, like there's a bunch of like little um, reasons why people migrate. So all of them, sometimes when they come here, it's not everything like, Oh, because I didn't have, I couldn't find a job over there. That doesn't mean that automatically you'll find a job here. Right. You know, if you had an abusive relationship over there, it doesn't matter. Like you would not have it here. It's like it, at the same time, it's connected. Um, just because we tend to repeat our patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when you come here, if you don't have mm-hmm. the privilege to be under, like you know in a residency or in a less asylum status, the label of like the label of undocumented and the lack of resources that that comes with it is a huge, just a huge, like, you know, you know, for the mental health of someone. So I feel like I tend, you know, to have this conversation with you. I very like, it's interesting, like I told you before, because I'm like, as an immigrant, we both know what is the journey, right? And for me, I nobody have ever told me, oh, what was going to be that impact, you know, culture shock, that's another thing, you know, or like the language barrier, or when you want to access things and you know, oh, I can't because I don't have documents, you know, is is it like another thing and it's not 
when you get to this country, the first thing that they do is like, oh, vete a hacerte un físico, right? Like, vete a hacerte un físico, tienes tu vacunas, de todo bien, tus ojos, tus dientes, and your, your, tus oídos, and everything. Everything's good. But what about my mental health? You know, what about my mental health? Because in my case, it was like a completely 180 turn off, right? But I can only imagine for those who made the entire trip and the entire atrocities that they saw doing that. Yeah, I think that's right on. I think you've given a really good summary um, of the diversity that exists in migration patterns, right? And in migration re reasons for migrating really very greatly from one mm -hmm. person to the other. But if you find yourself that you, when you think about your migration story and mm -hmm. you think, I left my country because of some kind of adverse or mm -hmm. traumatic situation, whether that be that you were being persecuted by gangs mm -hmm. or you were in a domestic violence situation, a situation where your life was in danger mm -hmm. in some way, or you left because um, the political unrest or warfare was part mm -hmm. of your life, right? If you left for any of those reasons and other reasons which caused you to feel fear for mm -hmm. a long period of time in your life, you can bet your brain is pretty primed for that fear. And you will find that while your expectations of getting to the United States are that suddenly you're going to feel better, mm -hmm. you might not feel better mm -mm. or that your life will be better. And maybe your life is better in some ways, mm -hmm. but you might find that you're still not happy. And that has more to do with mental health than it does with physical health. Yeah, definitely. And frankly, I don't separate those two because mm -hmm. I don't really think they're those they're separate mm -hmm. from each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I I truly think that you know mental health should be included with physical health. You know, but for so many time they haven't been together. You know, yes, they treat right. us different. Forever. Yeah, and especially as some it's, this is a conversation that you know for like past guests that we had had in this series, we had talked about the quote unquote local label when we talk about mental health and i mean when we come you know from especially from the area of latin america where we think like psicologos es para locos you know that label shouldn't be even included um but um yeah when we come to here and they told you let's say for example told someone that like oh we should you know you should treat your mental health you know because of the journey over the entire like that completely changed your life or everything That's the main thing that comes to me. I'm like, you know, stay local, you know? So I feel like those type of like obstacle for our community, especially in that uh, uh, immigrant community, really play plays a role of why so many of us don't try to seek mental health as the first step while arriving to a new place. I think that's one of the reasons. I also think that another reason why we don't seek help is because we've never had help before. Mm -hmm. And it's not really in our culture or in our upbringing mm -hmm. to ask for help. I know I can really relate to that. You know, in some ways, when people ask me about La Cocina and people mm -hmm. ask me about why I created La Cocina, I think they expect to hear, you know, that because of the stigma or mm -hmm. because of the reasons that Latinos don't seek mental health or because there aren't enough Spanish speaking therapists. And those are important reasons. But the main reason that I created La Cocina is that so families who are immigrant families like my own could have the support that my family didn't have mm -hmm. when we came to the United States and before we came mm -hmm. to the United States, really. Mm -hmm. You know, the reality is that 
Um, in my family of origin, there is a lot of trauma. That trauma was already there when we moved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it involved lots of different dynamics. I mean, yes, we lived in war-torn areas, and there was a tremendous amount of persecution and danger mm-hmm. in general in the whole country. But there were other things too. Intergenerational mm-hmm. trauma gets passed down from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. So that was already present in our lives before we came to the United States. Mm-hmm. And moving to the United States actually made those things worse. It didn't make those things better. Mm-hmm. And so as the patterns repeat themselves and continue, right? One of the things that I think are really, really important is that it isn't in our culture when we live that way Mm -hmm. for many generations in our families. It's not in our culture to say, I need help and I'm going to go look for help. Mm -hmm. It's actually in our culture to run away, which is appropriate. When you're trying to get away from danger, you should run away, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But it doesn't leave you with a lot of resources of how to say, I need help and I'm going to go find help. It also doesn't help that there isn't a lot of help Mm -hmm. available that isn't really costly and that isn't in our language and that is not accessible to us, right? Mm -hmm. So if you put those two things together, I think those are the primary reasons why Latinos tend to not seek help. Mm -hmm. You know, we see, for example, a big difference in Latinos that were born in the United States. They're not immigrants, right? So they're first Mm -hmm. generation and they really um, end up understanding from an early age that mental health care is just part of their lives. It's available Mm -hmm. to them at school, maybe not broadly, but it's Mm -hmm. available, right? And maybe it's not culturally aligned, so it's not quite right for the culture, Mm -hmm. but they know it's there. And so we see a very big difference as the generations kind of move away from immigration. Mm -hmm. So immigration turns out is a really important reason to think about what, it, what parts of my life do I want to heal that mm-hmm. I would like to not only heal for myself, but I want to heal for my family? Yeah, definitely. And I think that there's really a good point that you point out, like not only seeing the mental health, like the healing part and the, you know, resources, of course, in Central America, there's not a lot of resources at this moment that I know of. Um, but, you know, if you would have accessibility to those resources, before and after there will be a completely different change you know of you know personally on the mental state of your entire family you know um and in the language because of course when when we migrate like it's not that automatically we learn english you know it's an entire process for us to even try to be confident in our uh, language so yes like you said yeah one thing is to have uh, uh, resources in Spanish in this case. Um, but sometimes I try to think about, you know, for example, and I see this mainly from the area of Guatemala, you know, when people migrate and they don't, they don't speak in English or they speak, or they don't speak Spanish. They speak a like indigenous language. So you know, that's another, um, way of like, I, I'll say like another traumatic way because like even in their own country, they don't have as much resources of because of the language that you know they they that they speak their main their mother language, but this country has forced them to try to learn the other one. And when they try yeah. to seek help or even migrate, the resources are even more limited. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That is so frustrating to us. And it's such a reality, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's just a fact that we don't, in fact, have enough Spanish speaking therapists alone, much less therapists that speak Mayan dialects, for example, Mm -hmm. or Mayan languages, or who speak um, other other Mm -hmm. languages, right, from other countries of origin. So you're absolutely right. It's a tremendous barrier to getting help. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, you know, we talk about accessibility and we know what is important, but like, how can we work together to make accessibility? You know, not only by having more um, in more resources in Spanish, but how can we make those accessible once, let's say, for example, they arrived um to the to the United States in this case, uh, or if, if they're like in those horrible conditions. I'm sorry. It's just like I just think right now, like the conditions that ICE have had them. Um, so, how can we have those type of resources more accessible for them? I think we need to change the way we think about Latinx mental health in mm-hmm. general. So, what I mean by that is, you know. It goes without saying that traditional models of mental health mm-hmm. really were not designed for Latino communities, right? So mm-hmm. they were really designed very specifically for a predominantly white, predominantly wealthy, mm-hmm. actually, community. And so we need to think of mental health services as uh, the possibility that our own communities could participate even in designing them. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that, for example, is... Um, we, for example, in a mom community, so mm-hmm. now Guatemalan mom community, for example, where, where we know we're not going to suddenly have a lot of therapists who speak mm-hmm. mom, right? That we need to think about how peer support models can really help mm-hmm. with that, right? There are a lot in our community, there's a, a fairly significant mom community. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ways that we've seen some change around how that community receives access. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have had opportunity for for community members that are bilingual in that community. Mm -hmm. They speak and they speak Spanish, for example, to go through services and then serve as peer supports within their community. Mm -hmm. And those peer supports really do build a scaffolding around the community. And as long as those peer supports and those peers, right, Mm -hmm. that are those other community members are also receiving support, mm-hmm. you know, through La Cocina, for example, mm-hmm. we see that they can do a great deal of important work. So peer support and peer mentorship work in mental mm-hmm. health, I think, is an essential area of growth for us and one that can really help with accessibility. I think the other thing that helps with accessibility is if, if you know, funders, when they give money to mm-hmm. programs... They think about this Mm -hmm. so that they think really we're going to fund equitably. We're going to fund in a way that allows those communities that don't have any access to be able to access the programs Mm -hmm. that are available. Right. Because for us, what that does is if we have funding and we have appropriate funding, we can actually hire individuals. Mm -hmm. Right interpreters, other peer supports, trained peer supports, we can invest directly in those communities, which is really important to do as well. Yeah. So I see that as a big shift in mental health care, mm-hmm. right? Where we would not be thinking only as a model where the only way of getting better is 
a therapist and a client, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that we do that with groups and we do that with peer supports and we do it with multiple levels of support, right? So if a community member is receiving individual support or group support, the peer mentor also gets supported. And then the therapist providing some mm-hmm. of that consultation and support also gets supported, right? And mm-hmm. then there's just a, a very healthy ladder of support that mm-hmm. is given to everybody. So much of the problems that we see arise around becoming really, I think, um, unhealthy, right? So mm-hmm. let's talk about it as health in general, but unhealthy in the way we experience our relationships, in the way mm-hmm. that we are able to do our work in the world, in the way that we experience um, ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Do we feel okay? Like, is our internal landscape matching the way that the external world sees us, for example? Like, all of these different pieces are largely, largely mm-hmm. based on how much healthy support we have. Yeah. And so building those healthy supports don't always have to be by a single therapist. They, we could really mm-hmm. be creative mm-hmm. about how that gets created. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I, I think like, I like how you say it, because it's sometimes, like I said before, we think about mental health, we go often just go therapist automatically. It's like our mind just shifts at like the point. But in reality, it's, it's true. Like those type of forms of treating mental health hasn't been designed for our community. You know, one no. not even accessible and not even designed for us. You know, um, right. is at the same time is hard for us. Like you said, for us to say I need help, it takes longer than maybe someone else who might have the access and you know the monetary support to do it and at the same time like if you can one thing that i like about la cocina that i that i found interesting is how you combine traditional with non-traditional and i think that's what you said about like the support because finding support means like i'm not alone in this you know, like I'm not the only one. I have support. If some, if I need someone to talk about, like to go and talk, I'll go and find that support because the support was given. You know, like is there. You know, is there. Rather than you know, I see it for example, and I, this is just an example. I'm not saying everybody, but like on the male side for the Latinx community, they tend to be more close, right? Yeah. They're like they don't want to show like feelings or sentimental or like how they're feeling or how you know the interactions right and i feel it's because of that that our culture has made like they need to be tough they need to be like no se que no le caiga ninguna lágrima for example which is thing yeah it's such a stereotype stigma that i feel like why would you do that like male i feel like sometimes yeah we think about like all this um as is like kids, females, you know, the LGBT community, everyone, you know. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, oh, male. Sometimes they, they're the first one to not accept. You know, they're they're the one que que estarle dando, dando tienes que tienes que buscar ayuda. You know, and even trying for you know, a dad or tío or someone like that. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask, um, because as as a form for the the cocina provides a tradition and non traditional. How can those type of forms of mental health can help it like try to get more, let me put it in a better way. How can we start talking, especially for those 
who might reject the idea, but how can we start having this conversation about mental health when given the opportunity that of the of different type of forms of treating mental health? Yeah, I think it needs to start with a message in all honesty from the community of mental health providers, clinics, everybody out there who thinks they know mental health, I think needs to reconsider what they think they know in terms of our populations. Mm -hmm. And then it starts, I think, with a message of understanding in general, right? That suggests that forms of support, people can be supported in a lot Mm -hmm. of different ways. Mm -hmm. People heal actually all the time. And it's not just through therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people who utilize a class to heal certain Mm -hmm. parts of their lives or some people utilize the support of a grandmother or the support Mm -hmm. of a friend, right? Or some people find that going on a type of pilgrimage in their lives is Mm -hmm. really healing, right? So, so support can come in different ways. It can come in non-traditional ways, meaning mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to come in the form of therapy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, human beings get to decide how they're going to use those supports. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that there is a variety and a, an inclusive point of view around what we think is supported to people, it requires a reframe, right? It's part of why our organization is called La Cocina and not mm-hmm. Mental Latinx Mental Health Center. <laughs> we know yeah. for- Colorado or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That is one of the reasons. Most people think it's the stigma and there is some of that, but Mm -hmm. also there's a very direct connection for Latinos around sitting in the kitchen to discuss Mm -hmm. problems or sitting in the kitchen Mm -hmm. to discuss joyful moments or sitting in the kitchen to discuss something that you didn't really want to discuss, but you're having to discuss it, right? So there's something about that that I think everybody can connect to. And I've heard our clients even say things like, um, aquí en la cocina estamos cocinando nuestros problemas. Mm. So, you know, it, there is a way to think about this that is about the system of mental health care and mm-hmm. how they present mental health care services that really is inclusive and suggests to our clients and our folks that, it is okay if the ways you seek support are different than therapy. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just make sure you get the support you need, not the yeah. support I want as a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's a, that's that's a very good point, and like especially to start with the conversation, right? If maybe yeah. the you know a therapist like asusta, because I have I have told you this before. I think I shared the the story about this. I really bad experience that I had with a therapist back in my country when I, you know, and yeah. it, for me, that experience made me like, I don't want to go to another therapist. You know what I mean? Because like right. go, going, just thinking about the instance, like of the, the emotion that I felt, I don't want to go through that. So sinking support, for example, in this is just an example. I don't know if you can tell me, but uh, once I migrated here, you know, like the disconnect with my dad was completely like, separated right um but my support was always my mom as when I was back in Honduras I wasn't as close with my mom that I am now like my my mom is not my best friend for example so like my mom for me felt the need of needing a dad right of course everybody needs a dad you know of course I'll miss it you know but it it didn't I didn't feel like 
every like I was sad constantly the moment that I opened and I was willing to have more conversations with my mom and my mom was opening to tell me um like I love you or stuff like that things that she wasn't as consistent when I was back home you know what I mean so I see that when when I was reading about La Cocina and your page and I was like well it's true like sometimes when especially like that if I recall on my experience I don't want to go back to a therapist right like that was my first thing where, you know I don't, it's, it's, it's a th- like I just don't want to go through that again but at the same time I it, I'm in a need of healing you know like I'm in a need of healing I'm in a need of this transition moving to places and it is it, if we start with that support of support that you have someone that you can go and like let your thing go for example like the mas desahogarte como you know? and yeah. in most of the time it happens at the kitchen and then that that's why everything happens at the kitchen eating or cocinando so i think that i really like the idea of you know having those non-traditional supports and yeah. i wanted to ask you what other non-traditional forms of mental health does the cocina provide uh for your clients at this moment if someone else is interested. Yeah. So one of the things that we do is um, we provide opportunities through different ways of listening to our community. Mm -hmm. So we're always listening to our community and the community needs. One of the things that we've done and continue to do right now, actually, is, for example, around mask anxiety. Mm -hmm. I know this is difficult for some people to understand, but Mm -hmm. actually for some people, especially women, who have suffered sexual abuse, masks are a source of and a trigger of trauma, actually. Really? And yeah, because it's like, you know, a mouth mm-hmm. over. Oh, yeah. Hand over mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah. So it brings up a lot of traumatic memories and it, it is a huge trigger for some people, for mm-hmm. us, a percentage of our population. And so we find that those people tend to, because they have to wear a mask, right? They tend to wear their mask really low. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, you know, they feel like that way they can breathe. And it's not that a mask doesn't let you breathe. It's the anxiety that goes yeah. with it, right? It feels like your air mm-hmm. is being cut off. And so a non-traditional form of support that we offer is we have like a three-part series mm-hmm. where folks get to do some mindfulness work around masks and they get to do some healing and they get to just sign up for that. Anybody can sign up for that. It's not therapy. It's mm-hmm. more like a class, really. Mm-hmm. And you get to work through some of that mask anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, another really good example, actually, is we have a, a program that's a collaboration with doulas. It's called the Cultura Curabelli program. Mm-hmm. And it's for women who are pregnant, who really um, are struggling with substance misuse, for example, during pregnancy. And the program really doesn't focus on therapy specifically. It focuses on um, on mandala art. So mm-hmm. on art that's related to our cultures, to our indigenous cultures of origin, mm-hmm. right? And how that art actually can be a source of reclaiming your cultural identity mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have also a youth support group, actually. It's it's all mm-hmm. for Latinx youth that instead of focusing on therapy for reducing anxiety, also focuses on culturally relevant ways of claiming your Latinx identity and your intersecting identities that go mm-hmm. along with that, right? 
So it really depends on what we're hearing from the community, how we're structuring some those non-traditional forms of support. Mm-hmm. But they're always, in all honesty, they're always usually the ideas of our own community members oh. who say to us, oh, we really need you to do this, or we really need you to do that. And they're bringing in ideas about even recently, you know, we've also heard a lot about people who really want to consult with a curandera, for example. Oh. And... For that particular group in the community, which may feel very different perhaps than a a faith-based group, right? For that particular group, making sure that that's available to them is so much about mental health also. Mm -hmm. And for a faith-based group, maybe that what they really want to see happen is like a day-long pilgrimage that they can Mm -hmm. participate in with a faith leader, you know, with somebody Mm -hmm. who really is intersectional in the way that they think about mental health and faith. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also made those opportunities available to our community. So you never know, right? Mm -hmm. Which one a community member is going to go, that's the one for me. And then because of their intention, they'll be able to connect to that and heal in some Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I think that is amazing. I didn't know about, you know, the mask one, like that's to me, like, I was like, having a year we're having a year in the pandemic and i'm like well i have never heard it you know and now i understand like yeah because you feel like something's on top of you so like that that can make trigger people and that is like a good way to like not put it as like therapy but to go through it and try to you know become more i'm not gonna say like become more comfortable with it because if you have a trigger that will yeah but at least start your the journey of healing, you know, um, and all the, the curandera part, um, and then like, you know, cause it, like I said, there's some more people who are going to be more lenient to faith and other people who are more willing to be more open. So I think that having those resources available for everyone, I think is amazing because like when you were saying that, I'm like, wait, why would we don't know about this? You know, like when, when we don't, when we know about mental health, we still like, Terapista, el psicólogo. Yeah. 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 If you do it like in a group, like for example, la cocina, can be very helpful because you can find yes. someone that can be your support, you know, and not only a friend, someone you can talk to, but say for example, someone that might not want to get get out of their houses, right? For example, yeah. a form of art is actually a good thing to like, oh the, you know, God. relieve stress, oh. you know, or like being like more peaceful um, in, your, in your mind. Um, one thing that I was talking with one of the other guests was about dancing, mm-hmm. you know, like dancing yes. classes. And yes. I was like, I dance all the time. And I, I, I understand when she said it to me, I was like, I understand it because I felt the same way, but I never understood, you know, like, because nobody tells you like going for a walk and going for like, like any sport or like having, you know, un grupo de, de, de jóvenes working for certain things. So like a class will make you start your, um, you know, 
your journey to healing and at the same time working it is it, it works as a therapy but we don't know you know like it's you're doing something but you don't know you're actually working in therapy you know what i mean yeah and also it isn't considered like in the world of therapy it isn't mm-hmm. considered therapy right but it is mm-hmm. certainly therapeutic mm-hmm. yeah and it matters to our clients it really really matters we hear this all the time of clients who use those opportunities to heal then they also consider like at some point they're evaluating themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And saying, I actually think I need more. I do need therapy, right? And then for others, that's enough. So it this isn't much, in my view, this is just much more respectful than Mm -hmm. having an assumption that therapy is the solution, right? Yeah. Um, And just really assumes, I think, that clients actually know what they want. Yeah. And what they need. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's true. It's true. I mean, I'm not I'm not like a specific someone, but like I will say, like if you know what you're going through, if you start, let's say for example, going to one of your classes, for example, um, like the pregnant woman that you said about art, you know, maybe that person didn't know like the battle of like battling of their identity, you know, um, that happens so much, and it may be you know after you know so many women experience postpartum syndrome i think that's the name yeah, of it postpartum depression yeah, yeah postpartum yeah. Yeah, disorders yeah yeah um having if i'm just putting like an example trying to put, trying to say like it's sorry we're here um if the person went through this type of like support after that she will know that she has it to support you know what i mean what happened is with pregnant women that i tend to see especially on my friends that when they go through that they feel they're alone and once they have this baby yes. They That's feel right. there, they continue alone, even though their partner is still there. So yeah. that feeling of feeling like alone, you don't have support. When you have access to this, let's say, for example, going to paint or going to this type of classes, you'll find a community of support that once you have your baby, you'll be able to know that you have support, you know? And maybe if you're feeling that postpartum, you know, depression, you will detect it and you would like to go and seek help. You know what I mean? Instead of just saying like, I'm alone. Right. It also, honestly, it also works in the direction of our peers, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of, especially women, but a lot of women Mm -hmm. who are in that situation will actually, they also know other women, right? Mm -hmm. Who are also feeling isolated and lonely Mm -hmm. and they'll bring them along, right? So there Mm is a, um, an approach to this is about la comadre or la mm-hmm. abuelita or la tia or, you know, anyone who, it, in some ways, when you when you really understand what they're going through, you are concerned about them. Yeah. Understandably, you're concerned. And so you want to get them some support. And that's great as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned um, traditionally, traditional ways of kind of bringing up our boys, right? Our mm-hmm. Latino boys and mm-hmm. especially like male identified, right? Like male Mm -hmm. identity inside of Latino communities. And it is interesting. um, There is a lot of fear there actually Mm -hmm. about receiving services Mm -hmm. because it tends to be related to, I'm supposed to be like this guy that Mm -hmm. presents in a particular way. And it's really scary to me for someone to look under the surface, right? For someone to what's really down there. So I think you describe it very well. And for us, one of the things that we've learned is that um, men can actually do things together 
that they find really helpful mm-hmm. and therapeutic and it isn't therapy. It could be a soccer uh, league or, mm-hmm. you know, it could be um, a way of playing a game together or something like mm-hmm. that. That's really kind of team based that has very similar effects to group therapy, but is not therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. I have seen like, especially like I, I veo ligas de personas ya mayores, you know, like they're like, dad's already like playing you know and like, then there's the kids and then there's the dads right they continue going to that uh but what they don't know is that that actually like it's come on it's like a little exit that you go and you're they're heading in the game you know what i mean um so that is therapeutic um but yeah that, that is true right now when you start soccer i'm like yeah that's true so i have seen so many instances of people going to actually play or for example like la carne asada <laughs> that I la see you do. <laughs> yeah you know when the usually the dads are the one inside cooking the meat you know but I feel like that type of connection and cooking is for them to um have this instance of like okay I'm doing this you know but it at the same time it's it works as a therapy but it's not it's not therapy right it, yeah yeah nice. So I'm sorry if I went to like rumble, <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm trying to figure it out and put like um, instance because I know it's, it's very important for our community to know that those resources are available. And if, you know, if they're not based in Colorado, you know, for La Cocina, maybe there's an, you know, an organization close to where they live, but at the same yeah. time, understand that having those type of activities, having those type of supports are very important that maybe in our community, the access is not there at this moment. Hopefully, you know, in the years to come, we'll be there. But knowing that mental health is as much as important as physical health. Absolutely. It really, really is. And I would say to anyone in the community that is listening to this Mm -hmm. and says, well, I maybe go to a family resource center Mm -hmm but I don't think they have these types of programs, ask for them, you know, Mm -hmm. ask for them. Tell the people that you're working with or that you know somebody who's working with an organization in your community, Mm -hmm. ask for programs that really align with you and with the things that you want to see happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel when we ask for them, if we say that we need it, maybe you're the one like, okay, maybe we should do this to make it accessible because I really think that will be benefit from it, but maybe others will benefit from it. And that will make, you know, yes. uh, one of the things that I was actually talking in the episode before you, with the guest before you, um, was about when someone sick help, is como un efecto domino, you know? If someone yes. in your family see you, that you're getting better, that they will seek help and the other person will seek help. And that's what I would love to see in my community. I love that. I really love even just the image of that. It's so exciting mm-hmm. to think about. I can really relate to that also. You know, I mean, in La Cocina, we have really seen mm-hmm. that. You know, La Cocina started with 25 families uh, four years ago. There were 25 families who really were very much okay with saying we need help. But before very long, like, mm-hmm. you know, within months, it was more like 75 families and then it was 100 families. And so the the what you are speaking about is very mm-hmm. real. And 
and I think works for our community because we do want to bring people along, right? We do mm-hmm. want to kind of all be in community together and support each other. We care about each other. We care about La Vecina and we care about, you know, La Comadre. We really do. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing, I think, is exciting. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I would love to see it because I mean, like when, when he was playing it to me, I'm like, yes, you know, like when I kiss it's lo que uno le da miedo, you know, in our community, if we see someone, oh, the person's getting help and she actually feels better, I would love to feel that same way. And that will make it less scary as saying, of me coming to tell you, seek help. It's less. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So we have also, also a saying that we use a lot in our mm-hmm. programming, which is pedir ayudas de valientes. To ask for help is mm-hmm. for courageous people. Because it is true, you know, that in our community, mm-hmm. sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to appear weak if I ask for help. But it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Because the fact that you're afraid to ask for help really tells you fear is an opportunity to be courageous. And in this case, asking for help is truly courage. It's an act of courage. So go be courageous. Yes, yes. I love I love the saying. I'm actually going to put it as, a, as your quote because I love the saying. Uh, but thank you, Dr. Parinha, um, coming to talk with me to make this episode happen. Um, because as I talked to you before, this series I created for having that, for making it accessible to others. So I really appreciate your time. And if you, as a listener, you're close to Colorado, if you would like to, you know, see the services, all the information for La Cocina will be linked down below. Also, um, Dr. Farinas is going to be with us in the panel on May 29. So if you have any questions that you want to ask specifically to her or anything you want to continue the conversation, please, there will be an option in the link down below where you can submit all the questions and we'll see you on May 29. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute joy to be with you today. No, it was it's a pleasure. If you like to support this podcast and my work, you can donate through our website or become a patron. Don't forget to check our website at centralamericanvoices.com where you can subscribe to our mailing list. Follow us on Instagram at Simpson Voices Podcast and on Twitter at Simpson Voices Pod. Like and follow our Facebook page where you can join the Central American Voices Facebook group. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're going to continue sharing these episodes as a video format. But don't forget to come back for our next episode.